Hey everybody, this is Richard Conwisher, and it's my honor to serve as the senior pastor of Peachtree Presbyterian Church in Atlanta, Georgia. I'm so glad that you've decided to join us for what we are calling Quest. It's a biblical journey where we are reading the Bible together. The ultimate search where we find out that God is actually searching for us. Many people have attempted to read the Bible from cover to cover, and what we find is that many people start out with great hope and don't make it to the end of the quest. We hope that this year will be different for you. Instead of trying to read the entire Bible in terms of every word and every page, we've highlighted the key chapters, and with only about 30 minutes or so per week worth of reading, we know that you will get the whole arc of the story, and that everything you read after that will have more meaning and depth and significance and beauty and wonder. And so we're glad that you're joining us on this quest. What we will do is we will read each week's portion of it because we know that so many of you are busy and might not have time to sit down and to read it with your own eyes. And what's interesting about this as you potentially listen to this in your car or while you're washing the dishes in the kitchen or while you're on a morning walk or exercise routine is that the Bible was intentionally and originally meant to be heard. For most of human history, the Bible was spoken aloud and repeated and repeated. And so we hope that with this podcast, you will get to hear each week's worth of reading and that you ask questions and you explore and you go back and you look deeper. I know that my Bible quest has been a lifelong journey and that my hunger for God only continues to grow throughout the years. And so we're grateful that you're with us. And if you want to find out more information or get more resources on the reading, go to peachtreechurch.com slash quest. And now for today's reading, listen to the word of the Lord. Acts chapter 19. While Apollos was at Corinth, Paul took the road through the interior and arrived at Ephesus. And there he found some disciples and asked him, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? They answered, No, we have not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. And so Paul asked them, Then what baptism did you receive? John's baptism, they replied. And Paul said, John's baptism was a baptism of repentance. He told the people to believe in the one coming after him, that is, in Jesus. And on hearing this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul placed his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them. And they spoke in tongues and prophesied, and there were about 12 men in all. Paul entered the synagogue and spoke boldly there for three months, arguing persuasively about the kingdom of God. But some of them became obstinate, and they refused to believe and publicly maligned the way. And so Paul left them. He took the disciples with him and had discussions daily in the lecture hall of Tyrannus. And that went on for two years, so that all the Jews and the Greeks who lived in the province of Asia heard the word of the Lord. God did extraordinary miracles through Paul, so that even the handkerchiefs and aprons that had touched him were taken to the sick, and their illnesses were cured, and the evil spirits left them. 
Some Jews who went around driving out evil spirits tried to invoke the name of the Lord Jesus over those who were demon-possessed. They would say, in the name of the Jesus whom Paul preaches, I command you to come out. Seven sons of Sceva, a Jewish chief priest, were doing this. And one day the evil spirit answered them, Jesus I know, Paul I know about, but who are you? And the man who had the evil spirit jumped on them and overpowered them all, and he gave them such a beating that they ran out of the house naked and bleeding. And when this became known to the Jews and the Greeks living in Ephesus, they were all seized with fear, and the name of the Lord Jesus was held in high honor. Many of those who believed now came and openly confessed what they had done. A number who had practiced sorcery and brought their scrolls together and burned them publicly. And when they calculated the value of the scrolls, the total came to 50,000 drachmas. And in this way, the word of the Lord spread widely and grew in power. After all this had happened, Paul decided to go to Jerusalem, passing through Macedonia and Achaia. After I have been there, he said, I must visit Rome also. He sent two of his helpers, Timothy and Erastus to Macedonia, while he stayed in the province of Asia a little longer. About that time, there arose a great disturbance about the way. A silversmith named Demetrius, who had made silver shrines of Artemis, brought in a lot of business for the craftsmen there. He called them together along with the workers and related trades and said, "'You know, my friends, that we receive a good income from this business.'" And you see and hear how this fellow Paul has convinced and led astray large numbers of people here in Ephesus and protractically the whole province of Asia. He says that gods made by human hands are no gods at all. There is danger not only that our trade will lose its good name, but also that the temple of the great goddess Artemis will be discredited. And the goddess herself, who is worshipped throughout the province of Asia and the world, will be robbed of her divine majesty. And when they heard this, they were furious and began shouting, Great is Artemis of the Ephesians! And soon the whole city was in an uproar. The people seized Gaius and Aristarchus and Paul's traveling companions from Macedonia, and all of them rushed into the theater together. Paul wanted to appear before the crowd, but the disciples would not let him. Even some of the officials of the province, friends of Paul, sent him a message begging him not to venture into the theater. The assembly was in a confusion. Some were shouting one thing, some another. Most of the people did not even know why they were there. And the Jews in the crowd pushed Alexander to the front and they shouted instructions to him. But he motioned for silence in order to make the defense for the people. But when they realized he was a Jew, they all shouted in unison for two hours. Great is Artemis of the Ephesians. Great is Artemis of the Ephesians. Great is Artemis of the Ephesians. And the city clerk quieted the crowds and said, Fellow Ephesians, doesn't all the world know that the city of Ephesus is the guardian of the temple of the great Artemis and of her image, which fell down from heaven? Therefore, since these facts are undeniable, you ought to calm down and not do anything rash. You have brought these men here, though they have neither robbed temples nor blasphemed our goddess. 
If then Demetrius and his fellow craftsmen have a grievance against anybody, the courts are open and there are pro-councils. They can press charges. If there's anything further you want to bring up, it must be settled in a legal assembly. As it is, we are in danger of being charged with rioting because of what happened today. In that case, we would not be able to account for this commotion since there is no reason for it. And after he had said this, he dismissed the assembly. Acts chapter 20. When the uproar had ended, Paul sent for the disciples and after encouraging them, said goodbye and sat out for Macedonia. He traveled throughout that area, speaking many words of encouragement to the people and finally arrived in Greece where he stayed three months. Because some Jews had plotted against him just as he was about to sail for Syria, he decided to go back through Macedonia. He was accompanied by Sopater, son of Pyrrhus from Berea, Aristarchus, and Secundus from Thessalonica, and Gaius from Derby, and Timothy also, and Tychius and Trophimus from the province of Asia. These men went on ahead and waited for us at Troas. But we sailed from Philippi after the festival of unleavened bread and five days later joined the others at Troas, where we stayed for seven days. On the first day of the week, we came together to break bread and Paul spoke to the people because he intended to leave the next day. Kept on talking and talking until midnight. There were many lamps in the upstairs room where we were meeting. Seated in the window was a young man named Eutychus who was sinking into a deep sleep as Paul talked on and on and on. And when he was sound asleep, he fell to the ground from a third-story window and was picked up dead. Paul went down and threw himself on the young man and put his arms around him. Don't be alarmed, he said, he's alive. And then he went upstairs again and broke bread and ate. After talking until daylight, he left. The people took the young man home alive and they were greatly comforted. We went on ahead to the ship and sailed for Assis, where we were going to take Paul aboard. He made this arrangement because he was going there on foot. And when he met us at Assis, he took with him aboard and went to Metalene. The next day, we set sail from there and arrived at Chios. The day after that, we crossed into Samos and on the following day arrived at Miletus. Paul had decided to sail past Ephesus to avoid spending time in the province of Asia, for he was in a hurry to reach Jerusalem, if possible by the day of Pentecost. From Miletus, Paul sent to Ephesus for the elders of the church, and when they arrived, he said to them, You know how I lived the whole time I was with you? From the first day I came into the province of Asia, I served the Lord with great humility and with tears in the midst of severe testing by the plots of Jewish opponents. You know that I have not hesitated to preach anything that would be helpful to you, but have taught you publicly and from house to house. I have declared to both Jews and Greeks that they must turn to God in repentance and have faith in our Lord Jesus." And now, compelled by the Spirit, I am going to Jerusalem, not knowing what will happen to me there. I only know that in every city the Holy Spirit warns me that prison and hardships are facing me. However, I consider my life worth nothing to me. My only aim is to finish the race and complete the task that the Lord Jesus has given to me, the task of testifying to the good news of God's grace. 
Now I know that none of you among whom I have gone about preaching the kingdom will ever see me again. Therefore, I declare to you today that I am innocent of the blood of any of you, for I have not hesitated to proclaim to you the whole will of God. Keep watch over yourselves and all the flock of which the Holy Spirit has made you as overseers. Be shepherds of the church of God, which he brought with his own blood. I know that after I leave, savage wolves will come in among you and will not spare the flock. Even from your own number, men will arise and distort the truth in order to draw away disciples after them. And so be on your guard. Remember that for three years, I never stopped warning each of you, night and day, with tears. Now I commit to you God and the word of his grace, which can be build you up and give you an inheritance among all those who are sanctified. I have not coveted anyone else's silver or gold or clothing. You yourselves know that these hands of mine have supplied my own needs and the needs of my companions. In everything I did, I showed you that by this kind of hard work, we must help the weak. Remembering the words of the Lord Jesus himself, when he said, it is more blessed to give than it is to receive. And when Paul had finished speaking, he knelt down with all of them and prayed. And they all wept as they embraced him and kissed him. And what grieved them the most was his statement that they would never see his face again. Then they accompanied him to the ship. The book of Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 1. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, to God's holy people in Ephesus, the faithful in Christ Jesus, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and his will to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given in the one he loves. In him, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he has lavished on us. With all wisdom and understanding made known to us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ to be put into effect when the times reached their fulfillment to bring unity to all all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. In him, we were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will, in order that we, who were the first to put our hope in Christ, might be for the praise of his glory. And you were also included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. For when you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, 
who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. For this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all of God's people, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. I keep asking the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you a spirit of wisdom and of revelation so that you may know him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened, that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance and his holy people and his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ Jesus from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but in the age to come. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be the head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him, who fills everything in every way. Chapter 2. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit that is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in our transgressions. It is by grace that you have been saved. And God also raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus in order that in the coming ages he may show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace that you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Therefore, remember that formerly you who were Gentiles by birth and called uncircumcised by those who called themselves the circumcision, which is done in the body by human hands, Remember that at that time you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel, and foreigners to the covenant of the promise, without hope, without God in the world. But now, in Christ Jesus, you who were once far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility, by setting aside in his flesh the law with its commands and regulations. His purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of the two, thus making peace. And in one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross by which he put to death their hostility. 
And so he came and preached peace to those of you who were far away and peace to those who were near. For through him, we both have access to the Father by one spirit. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners or strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household, built on the foundation of the apostles of the prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. And in him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you two are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. Chapter 3. For this reason, I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus, for the sake of you Gentiles, surely you have heard about the administration of God's grace that was given to me for you, that is the mystery made known to me by revelation, as I have already written briefly. In reading this, then you will be able to understand my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to people in order uh, generations as it now has been revealed by the Spirit of God, his holy apostles and prophets. This mystery is that though the gospel and the Gentiles are heirs together with Israel, members together of one body, and shares together in the promise in Christ Jesus, I became a servant of this gospel, and by the gift of God's grace given me through the working of his power. And although I am less than the least of all of God's people, This grace was given to me to preach the Gentiles the boundless riches of Christ and to make plain to everyone the administration of this mystery, which for ages was kept hidden in God who created all things. His intent was that now through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms, according to his eternal purpose that he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. In him, and through faith in him, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. I ask you, therefore, not to be discouraged because of my suffering for you, which are your glory. And for this reason, I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. And I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit and your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have the power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. And now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all that we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Chapter 4. As a prisoner for the Lord, then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling that you received. Be completely humble, gentle, 
patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to the one hope when you were called, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. But to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. This is why it says, when he ascended on high, he took many captives and gave gifts to his people. Now, what does he ascended mean except that he also descended to the lower earthly regions? And he who descended is the very one who ascended higher than the heavens in order to fill the whole universe. So Christ himself gave the apostles and the prophets and the evangelists and the pastors and the teachers to equip his people for the works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and the cunning and the craftiness of people and their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. From him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. And so I tell you this, and insist on it in the Lord, that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking. They are darkened in their understanding, separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Having lost all sensitivity, they have given themselves over to sensuality as to indulge in every kind of impurity, and they are full of greed. That, however, is not the way of life you learned when you heard about Christ and were taught in him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. You were taught with your regards to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds and to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Therefore, each one of you must Put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor, for we are all members of one body. In your anger, do not sin, do not let the sun go down while you are still angry, and do not give the devil a foothold. Anyone who has been stealing must steal no longer, but must work, doing something useful with their own hands, that they may have something to share with those in need. And do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, with whom you have been sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness and rage and anger and brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other as God in Christ forgave you. Ephesians Chapter 5. Follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children, and walk in the way of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. But among you, 
There must not even be a hint of sexual immorality or of any kind of impurity or of greed, because these are improper for God's holy people. Nor should there be obscenity or foolish talk or coarse joking, which are out of place, but rather thanksgiving. For of this you can be sure, no immoral, impure, or greedy person, such a person is an idolater, has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because such of these things, God's wrath comes on those who are disobedient. Therefore do not be partners with them. For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of the light. For the fruit of light consists in all goodness and righteousness and truth, and find out what pleases the Lord. Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. It is shameful even to mention what the disobedient do in secret. But everything exposed by the light becomes visible, and everything that is illuminated becomes a light. This is why it says, wake up, sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another with psalms and hymns and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Submit to one another at a reverence for Christ. Wives, submit to your husbands as you do to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife as Christ is the head of the church, his body, of which he is the Savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word, and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. In this same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one ever hated their own body, but they feed and care for their body just as Christ does the church. For we are members of his body. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. This is a profound mystery but I am talking about Christ in the church. However, each one of you must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. Chapter 6. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, so that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on earth. Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. Slaves, obey your earthly masters with respect and fear, with sincerity of heart, just as you would obey Christ. Obey them not only to win their favor when their eye is on you, but as slaves of Christ, doing the will of God from your own heart. Serve wholeheartedly as if you were serving the Lord, not people 
because you know that the Lord will reward each one for whatever good they do, whether they are slave or free. And masters, treat your slaves in the same way. Do not threaten them since you know that he who is both their master and yours is in heaven and there is no favoritism with him. Finally, be strong in the Lord and his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against rulers and against the authorities and against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground and after you have done everything to stand. Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all of this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish the flames and arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. And pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Pray also for me that whenever I speak, words may be given to me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. Tychius, dear brother and faithful servant in the Lord, will tell you everything so that you may also know how I am doing and what I am doing. I am sending him to you for this very purpose, that you may know how we are, and that he may encourage you. Peace to the brothers and sisters, and love from faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus. Grace to all who love our Lord Jesus Christ with an undying love. Psalm 137. By the rivers of Babylon we sat and wept. When we remembered Zion, there on the poplars we hung our harps, for there our captors asked us for songs. Our tormentors demanded songs of joy. They said, sing us one of the songs of Zion. How can we sing the songs of the Lord while in a foreign land? If I forget you, Jerusalem, may my right hand forget its skill. May my tongue cling to the roof of my mouth if I do not remember you, if I do not consider Jerusalem my highest joy. Remember, Lord, what the Edomites did on the day that Jerusalem fell. Tear it down, they cried. Tear it down to its foundations. Daughter Babylon, doomed to construction, happy is the one who repays you according to what you have done to us. Happy is the one who seizes your infants and dashes them against the rocks. Thank you so much for joining us today on our quest. And we hope that week in and week out, you're getting to experience and explore and discover God's incredible desire and search for you. If you have any further questions or want more information, go to peachtreechurch.com quest. And we would love to hear from you and hope that you are experiencing the wonder and the majesty of God as you listen to his word. 
And if you stay with us on the whole journey, I know you'll have this bigger perspective of life, of reality, and of your role in it. We're so glad that you're joining us, and we wish you God's very best.